Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. It's uh, only two more sleeps. Exciting, isn't it? And uh, I'm looking forward to Chris Dingle. I love Chris Dingle uh, simply because it's just great fun seeing a whole bunch of kids run around with a naked flame. I mean, I encourage you to come just for that. All right? Just for that. So I've just noticed who's in the house. Uh, So in January, we've got someone new starting with us uh, as a, a staff member. Emily Stanford is going to be our children's and youth worker, and she's here today. Go stand up, Emily. Come on, Emily. You're going to have to get used to this. Come on. So there she is. In fact, Emily. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, no, no. yeah. yeah do you want to come and preach? No? Okay, great. Um, so, yeah, please come. Children, naked flames, oranges, what is there not to like? It's going to be great. Uh, It is a lot of fun, the service, so do please come along. And Simon's done uh, a lot of hard work on it. Uh, Next year is going to be even better because Emily will organise it. So Harsh, I know. True, but harsh. Uh, So um, we thought we'd preach on, uh, in these kind of uh, weeks up to Christmas, on the, the phrase that we've used in our... Uh, Christmas advertising, which is a phrase used nationally by the Church of England, uh, which is hashtag, because Church of England is trendy, uh, hashtag follow the star. And Rob did a great job uh, last week talking about the wise men, and, or the wise people, because it doesn't say that they're men, uh, and how many there were, because we don't know, and all those kind of things. He did a great job talking about that, and focusing on how those who are wise seek Jesus. And I thought, how can I follow that? I can't. So I thought, right, if I need a, a Christmas talk, what better than Revelation? The book of Revelation, chapter 22. What a great way to kind of introduce the Christmas season by focusing on idolaters and sexually immoral people and all those kind of things. It's great fun. But in that uh, passage, I don't know if you caught it, uh, but Jesus describes himself. As the bright morning star. Did you catch that? Yeah? So I thought I'd focus on that. Because we don't have the opportunity, do we, to actually follow a star. There's no big star in the sky that we're following to find Jesus. Jesus is our star. And I want to think a little bit about that today. But first, just a little thing around the bright morning star. What is that? Well, uh, for those of you who are up early enough, uh, and I know, for instance, that Emily never gets up early enough, okay? Lots of Emily references today, simply because she's here, and I like to embarrass people. Um, So, uh, in the morning, you'll see a star in the east, uh, just as the dawn is coming up, and it is brighter than every other star. Anyone seen that? Yeah, there's a few nods, great, you know what I'm talking about. And of course, it's not a star, is it? What is it? Thank you. Well done, Fred. Uh, You go to the top of the class. It is Venus. Uh, But it looks like a star because it reflects the light of the sun. Uh, And it's one of the... Is it the nearest planet to us? No, it's not. Is it? I don't know. It's close. Uh, It's not Mars, anyway. So, um, and it looks bright in the sky. And all through the ages, throughout history, uh, different... um, in different eras, they have looked at their star and given it significance. 
So I've done my research. Uh, so the Sumerian, the Egyptian and the Hellenistic eras thought of that star as the god of love. That's interesting, isn't it? And uh, in Greek mythology, that star was the bringer of light, which in Latin is Lucifer. Woo! That's a bit bit scary, isn't it? And of course, Jesus isn't the only morning star in the Bible, is he? Anyone know who else is a morning star in the Bible? Satan, thank you. Who was that? Oh, you were here at 9.30. That's that's cheating. That is cheating. So in Isaiah 14, uh, Isaiah is referred to as the morning star. And Jesus is referred to as the morning star. Well, what do we do with that? That's kind of a bit confusing, isn't it? Well, simply is referring to the brightest of all things. So we know that Satan, when he was in heaven as an angel, he was the most beautiful of all angels. He shone brighter than all the other angels. So he was ascribed that title, the morning star. But what do we mean by Jesus being the morning star? Well, Jesus shines brightest. One of the names for the star is Phosphorus. Which is cool, isn't it? Anyone remember Phosphorus in school? In the school lessons, science? And uh, the teacher would set light to it and you'll be blind for about 30 seconds afterwards. Uh, It was just fantastic, wasn't it? Jesus is the brightest of all things. And I want you to reflect on that for a moment. That Jesus, out of all the things that he could be, is the brightest of all. See, in Jesus' time, there were lots of religions. Every town had their own deity. Uh, Greeks had lots of gods. Romans had lots of gods. There were all sorts of cultic practices all around. Wherever you went, there were different temples, different religions. And in the middle of this, Jesus is born. And he outshone them all. Because we now can look back over 2,000 years and say... Well, where is the cult of Aphrodite? You don't hear many people saying, well, actually, I'm an Aphroditeist. It's gone. All those religions died under the light of Jesus. See, he is entirely unique. And just for a moment, just focus on that, just how beautifully unique Jesus is, how extraordinary he is. What other gods and religion lays down his his divinity, his glory, to become a little child born amongst us. What other God would do that? What other God would become a baby so vulnerable that his life could be snuffed out in a second? Yet Jesus did that. What other God lived a life amongst us like Jesus, completely sinless? Performing incredible miracles wherever he went. Raising the dead, healing the sick, casting out demons. Even kind of pre-biblical stories, pre-gospel stories, there are all sorts of myths around what Jesus was like as a child doing incredible things. There is no other God who lived life amongst us like that. Who taught us with authority. It was God incarnate. God came down from heaven to live amongst us. To show us how to live life. What other God would be prepared 
to suffer the consequences of our sin. To die a death upon the cross that he didn't deserve. What other God, having suffered all that, would then show his divinity by resurrection? See, Jesus came like no other God, not in chariots of fire and and with kind of big flashes of thunder. He came quietly and humbly as one to serve. What other God is like that? See, when you consider the story of Jesus... When you move away from simply baby Jesus in the manger with donkeys and goats and sheep and camels and things. When you move away from that story, that sentimental story that we've created around Christmas. You cannot but be amazed at the story of Jesus. Our problem is, we've read the gospel so much that we've become a bit blasé around it, don't we? And yet the story of Jesus is so unique, so extraordinary, so beautiful. We need to keep capturing the essence of what Jesus is all about. We need to capture again just how unique he is, just how bright he is in the midst of all the religions that surround us. I mean, this country now is as multicultural as it's ever been. In this town, we have... Uh, a Jewish synagogue, we have a Muslim temple, mosque, mosque thank you. Uh, we have a Masonic temple just down the road, we have Jehovah's Witnesses, we have Mormons, uh, I think there is uh, wherever Sikhs meet, whatever that's called. You know, there's a whole bunch of things just in a town of 90,000 people. Factor into that all the different self help groups. Factor into that things like yoga and all those other kind of Eastern religions that we've kind of accommodated within Western society. Factor into that our belief in materialism, that the more you have, the better you are. In the midst of all that, Jesus shines brighter than all of that. And we need to capture that again. We need to understand just how beautiful Jesus is. That his story captures something that is entirely unique above all the other religions and ideas and philosophies that exist. I think we've lost that in this country. We are so accustomed to the story that we've neglected just how incredible it is. Isn't it incredible? Thank you for that little mumble. Bless you. See, he is the way, the truth, and life. Isaiah, trying to describe Jesus, struggled. He just came up with a whole bunch of words. He is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Think about all the names that we give to Jesus. Not just Morning Star, but we talked about that. Our cow service, Christ, Savior, Messiah, Emmanuel, and a whole bunch of others that you can think of. As we try to describe this Jesus, we cannot confine him to one name. We cannot confine him to one idea. He is bigger, broader, brighter than all of that. And we need Jesus to shine brightly again in our hearts before we can ever think about declaring him to the world. We need to capture again just how amazing he is. After all, isn't he the light of the world? Isn't he the one who shines brightly in the darkness but let me ask you a question 
how closely are you following Jesus? See, when Jesus lived on earth, he didn't ask people to simply believe in him as some abstract idea. He called people to follow him. And in Jesus' day, when you followed a rabbi, and Jesus was a rabbi, a teacher, you lived life closely with them. You shared everything with them. Rob Bell talks about how there was a phrase at the time that the, the disciples of a rabbi would be covered in the dust from the, from the rabbi's feet. They'd be walking so closely that as the rabbi walked, the dust off his feet would cover them. That's how close they were. They would eat with them. They would even follow the rabbi to the toilet. They wanted to live life like the rabbi. Not just believe what he believed, but shape their whole life around what he lived it like. And for us as Christians, we need to remember that we are not called to simply believe in something, but to shape our whole life around that belief. It's called discipleship. And I have gone on about it over the, since I've arrived, that we need to grasp hold of the very fact that we are meant to be like Jesus. Not just believe in an abstract idea of Jesus. But everything that, about our life, the way we treat people, those who are closest to us, those who are enemies, those who offend us, the way we handle our money, the way we think about politics, the way we think about the town, the way we think about economics, the way we just go about our daily life. Everything that we do should be shaped by Jesus. Every decision you make today should at some point in the back of your mind have something about what Jesus has said that will help you make a Jesus-like decision. We are called to be like Jesus in every single way. And the call to follow him is that call. To not simply say, I am a Christian and I believe certain things. But for our lives to be so evidently like Jesus that people know who we are. And I look at my life and I'm thinking, wow, I'm failing a little bit. Well, actually quite a lot. Um, I need to do better. I need to keep on shaping my life to be like Jesus. See, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. I became a Christian 21, 36 years ago. Gosh, how old am I now? And I am more like Jesus now than I was then. But am I really more like Jesus now than I was 20 years ago? Or 10 years ago? Am I more like Jesus now than I was last month? See, if I am meant to be transformed with ever-increasing glory, there is something of growth there, isn't it? There is something that we should be constantly Constantly growing more and more and more and more like Jesus. And I just find that deeply challenging. And it is the biggest question that we need to face. See, the more like Jesus we become, then, to be honest, all the stuff like mission and things, that just comes easy. 
You know, we, when we talk about mission and changing this town, it sounds like a big task. And you, as you are, will fail at it. But the more like Jesus we become, the more possible it becomes. See, discipleship, being like Jesus, is the engine for mission. We can't make any transformation if there's no engine. We need to be growing more and more like Jesus. You see, time's running out, isn't it? That piece from Revelation, Jesus says, Behold, I'm coming. And when he comes, we all know, you know, the great phrase, Jesus is looking for a bride that's pure and all those kind of things. What does that actually mean? It means a group of people who will look like him. That's what it really means. Not people who are doctrinally pure, who believe the right things in the right way, but a people who in every act, in every day, at every moment, are doing things like Jesus. That's what it really means. It's fascinating, isn't it, that uh, right at the beginning of that passage, oh, which I've now lost. Bear with me a minute. Uh, Jesus says this, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with, with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. Not what they believe. And now for us evangelicals, that's a bit freaky, isn't it? Because it's all about what we believe. But it's about what they've done. You see, what you do is always based on what you believe. And Jesus is coming back. And every day that day comes closer. And we never know when that will be. But when he does, when he comes back, he is looking for a group of people who look like him. Who in every day are living their life just like he would. And that's a huge challenge because it's about your motivations, it's about your character, it's about your behaviour, it's about whether you are praying for the sick and seeing them healed, whether you are listening to the Father and acting on what he says. It's all of those things. But in the power of the Spirit, we can do all of those things. That is the beauty of it. God doesn't give us a task that is impossible for us. He has given us the Holy Spirit to make it possible. And we are meant to be like the one who we worship. And when he comes back, that's what he's looking for. So my question for you, at this kind of end of the year, and as you start to think about the next year, actually, I've said an email, I love this time of year because it gives me a chance to reflect and to look forward. I love doing that kind of thing. And I know some of you might be thinking about doing kind of New Year's resolutions and losing weight and doing exercise and all those kind of things. Let me just ask you to make one resolution, that next year you will become more like Jesus in some way. Let that be your resolution, that you might grow up to be more and more like Jesus. You are still growing up. We always say to kids, don't we, what will you be when you grow up? You are still growing up and your answer should be, I want to be like Jesus. Our aim should be that when we hit 80, we are more like Jesus than we've ever been before. And if you're already past 80, that when you hit 90, you are more like Jesus than you've ever been before. That should be our heart's desire. 
Because you know what? When we become more like Jesus, the whole mission stuff that we talk about, it will just be easy. Because we are reflecting the light of the one that we worship. He is the brightest star. And we are all meant to be kind of reflections of him. So as you celebrate Christmas in these next few days, as you sing the carols and go to the parties and take time, I hope, to reflect on what Christmas is about. Reflect on the beauty, the majesty, the glory, the uniqueness of Jesus. And then just start to think, how can I become more like him? What is it in my life that I need to start to shape and change? What is it in my life that needs me to do some work on it? Because growing up to be like Jesus doesn't happen by accident. It needs us to be intentional. It needs us to make decisions. It needs us to make change. And as we do that, God will do all the work. But you need to be intentional. Should we stand? And uh, as ever, there'll be some people over by the windows who will uh, pray for you should you need prayer right now. And... um, It could be over anything. You know, maybe you're dreading this Christmas. Maybe there's things happening in your life, in your family, and you're just thinking, you know what? I'm not looking forward to Christmas. Why not just receive some prayer? Maybe it is that you're sick right now. That physically there is something wrong with you. I want to encourage you to receive prayer. Because the uniqueness of Jesus is that he does bring healing. So why not receive prayer? And this morning, uh, well, very early this morning, I, I woke up in the middle of the night and felt godly on my heart that there'd be someone here today who's just been having some really dark thoughts. Could even be suicidal thoughts. And that's unusual for you. And it's not something that's normal. And God wants you to know that there is light that he can shine into those dark thoughts. And maybe this could be an opportunity for you to allow the light of Jesus back in to dispel the darkness. Why not receive prayer from someone today? Don't leave here today still with those dark thoughts bothering you. But allow Jesus to shine his light. So as we worship, please use the guys over here. There'll be more than two, I promise. uh, There will be people there who will pray for you. Should we pray together? Lord God, I want to thank you that you sent Jesus as the brightest of all beings, the brightest of all ideas, the brightest of all philosophies, the brightest of all religions. We thank you, Lord, for his uniqueness, for his glory, his majesty, his splendor, his grace, his love, his truth. And Lord, we thank you that this Christmas is 
whatever else goes around on around us is all about Jesus. Help us, Lord, to capture again just how beautiful this story is. Just how amazing Jesus is. Just how bright he is. And let us, Lord, grow to reflect his light more and more. In Jesus' name, amen.